lecture three part two of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture three on patience as a universal virtue part two what we have thus far endeavoured to say on this virtue as the groundwork of the other virtues has been most happily expressed by the reigning pontiff leo the thirteenth in his encyclical letter on the third order of st francis the successor of peter teaches us in these words the perfection of christian virtue is a disposition of soul that is patient of all that is arduous and difficult its symbol is the cross which those who follow christ bear on their shoulders what belongs to this disposition is a soul detached from mortal things a vigorous self-control and a gentle and resigned endurance of adversity finally the love of god and of our neighbour is the mistress and sovereign of the soul such is its power that it wipes away all the hardships that accompany the fulfilment of duty and makes the hardest labours not only endurable but actually pleasant whenever the will separates from the foundation of its strength by departing from god the instruments of the will be it the mind the hand or the tongue lose their patience and in losing their patience lose their wisdom and skill the thoughts wander from their purpose the imagination seduces and carries away attention the hands relax in their work the tongue becomes imprudent the sense of duty is enfeebled and duty itself lingers on its way or is imperfectly done the workman suffers as well as the work because impatience is trouble and has an element of sadness in it as it is obvious that all the virtues and the whole condition of the soul are enfeebled by the fever of impatience it must be equally obvious that the whole soul is strengthened and made healthy by the discipline of patience hence the old french proverb that patience surpasses science but this is the last virtue obtained in its perfection because human nature is so weak and inconstant and the acquiring of this virtue is laborious but when it has reached a certain perfection it secures to the soul a cheerful serenity and sweetness and a constant peace viewed as a universal virtue saint cyprian describes it in the following terms patience commends us to god and keeps us united with god by its force we keep down anger control the tongue govern the mind and guard the peace of the soul by the same virtue we govern ourselves with discipline break down the assaults of concupiscence repress the swellings of pride and extinguish the heat of malice it restrains the wealthy from abusing their power and supports the poor in their wants and distress it protects the blessed integrity of virgins the laborious chastity of widows and the mutual charity of married life it makes the soul humble in prosperity strong in adversity and meek under injuries and calumnies 
it teaches us to be quick in pardoning offences and when we have offended to ask much and long for pardon it repels temptations endures persecutions and brings to sufferings and martyrdom a happy consummation patience gives strong and firm foundations to our faith patience exalts our hope to a sublime degree of confidence patience enables us to follow in the steps of christ and walk after him in the way of endurance it gives us the perseverance of the children of god whilst we imitate the patience of our heavenly father to put the subject in its widest point of view all the appetites and passions of our nature are good when in their just order their right measure their due direction and in true accord with the light of reason and the faith but they become disorderly incline us to evil and become evil themselves when through inordinate irritability which is the result of weakness they spring up in a disorderly way and lead us into disorder as st thomas teaches from st paul what is irritable or irascible in our nature has its root in concupiscence or in the passionate desires of our animal appetites and ends in them whence it follows that patience grounded in fortitude is the proper remedy for all inordinate passions and appetites and this reminds us of the teaching of so many of the early fathers that if adam had kept his patience he would not have lost his innocence you see impatience in the sensitive feebleness of childhood in the restlessness of youth in the instability of manhood and in the returning feebleness of age but you never see it in the saints because they have laboriously disciplined themselves in patience and have obtained the cheerful possession of themselves some persons are by nature and the temperament of their constitution more choleric and irascible than others this temperament is compounded of two elements sanguine ardor and irascibility but when this irascibility has been brought by laborious self-discipline under the rule of patience the ardor of it is most valuable when in its right direction both for the overcoming of difficulties and for the undertaking of good works and thus it is with every force of human nature deliver it from the disturbing influence of impatience place it under the discipline of patience and it will work in good order and to the best effect of which it is capable not only does the invigorating and steadying virtue of patience proceed from charity but it perfects charity charity is patient in the words ascribed to st dionysius the areopagite that love of god which first moves the soul towards divine things is a most sacred and unspeakable operation whereby a divine state is established in us this divine state is the work of the holy spirit dwelling in the soul and as st paul shows the grace of charity brings with it the grace of patience but charity is the life-giving form of all the virtues first it is the divine principle of their supernatural life 
secondly it gives to them their supernatural value and the condign merit of eternal life thirdly charity communicates to them that high moral good from which they obtain their perfection but let the reader specially take note that grace is one thing and virtue another grace is the divine gift virtue results from the cooperation of the will with the divine gift but as there is so much more to overcome and consequently so much more labor of the will in the exercise of patience than in the exercise of any other virtue that is the reason why there are so few who reach the more perfect degrees of patience having never experienced the wonderful strength and peace which the fundamental virtue of patience gives to the soul or the clearness and vigour which it gives to her interior acts they have never realised the extreme importance of striving to obtain it at whatever cost yet it is by patience that charity is perfected and this was manifested in our lord jesus christ whose divine charity was so wonderfully patient and who consummated his love of his father and of mankind by his most patient sufferings st bonaventure justly remarks that to suffer and endure with patience for the love of god is a much greater thing than to do great works for the love of god but in this pious souls are often at fault they will attach this principle to external sufferings and will not see that it applies with even greater truth to internal and spiritual sufferings yet our divine lord suffered much greater things in his soul than in his body there is a sentence of st maximus which every good christian should carry in his mind the sum of christianity is to give love for love and patience for suffering whoever is most patient under suffering will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven but it should be equally remembered that spiritual sufferings are far greater than corporal sufferings and here a remark of the learned and pious cajetan will not be out of place commenting on the first of the beatitudes blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and also on the last blessed are they that suffer persecution for justice sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven after pointing out that the poor in spirit are the humble he says by the word persecution you must understand every kind of pain and suffering you see then that one and the same reward is given to those who act patiently the poor in spirit and to those who suffer patiently provided they persevere to the end they both obtain the kingdom of heaven and it is theirs already although they have not yet come into their possession in short the reward of heaven so magnificently described in the book of revelations is there repeatedly promised by our lord to those who by their patience conquer their adversaries by overcoming themselves the intimate relations of patience with charity have never been expressed with greater force and beauty than in the parable dictated by st catherine of siena whilst in a state of ecstasy 
it occurs in her dialogue on discretion and we shall here give it in a free translation be it first however observed that st catherine uses the word discretion in the sense of spiritual recollection in which we obtain perception of the relative value of divine and human things in this sense of the word she follows that illustrious doctor of her order albert the great who thus describes it true discretion is to judge prudently between the creator and the creature between what the creator is and what the creature is and in how much the creator differs from the creature it likewise judges between what is good what is better and what is best and also between what is evil what is more evil and what is most evil whilst it decides how much the good is to be loved and the evil to be detested the just man is compared in the psalm to a tree planted by the waters whose fruits do not fail if you plant a tree within a circle of fertile earth the earth will nourish the tree and make it fruitful but if you take it up from the circle in which it is planted it will die and produce nothing the soul is a tree made to be fruitful in love it can only live in charity the roots of that tree are the affections of the soul which should be planted within the circle of self-knowledge of that self-knowledge which is united to god by humility but god is likened to the circle in this that he has neither beginning nor end and the soul that is planted in the earth of humility and is united with god finds herself within that divine circle within which she obtains the knowledge of god and of herself if the soul be thus united with god she will find that her knowledge like that circle has neither beginning nor ending but if the soul is not united with god though she may have a beginning of knowledge it will end in confusion in the measure in which the tree of charity is nourished by humility it will put forth the branches of discretion but the pith and marrow of the tree is patience and this patience is the demonstrative proof that god is in the soul and that the soul is united with god thus sweetly planted the tree will put forth the virtues as its flowers and will produce such fruits as will be profitable to our neighbours to such at least as are willing to accept them from the servants of god the soul herself will praise god who is the creator of the tree and its fruits and will come to her final end in the everlasting god from whom without her consent she never can be removed but the fruits hang on the boughs of discretion by the force of patience from which they derive their excellence food is not more essential to strength of body than patience is to strength of soul and god in his goodness makes us conscious of our weakness that we may be induced to seek the means of strength what god loves and approves in us is the cheerful and loving patience that we put into our duties because that is the spirit of charity and expresses the amount of charity with which we serve him 
every new restraint that we put upon the hurry and impetuosity of our excitable nature is a reduction to order a power gained a weakness removed a further subjection of nature to grace a step in the way of peace that makes us less unlike to god we read much of the self-denial and self-mortification of the saints we know how effective this is in purifying nature and in subjecting the body to the spirit and the spirit to god so long as it is under the safeguard of obedience we know that self-denial is enjoined by our divine lord upon all his followers and that without self-denial there can be no solid virtue because it directly attacks self-love which is the source of all evil and he said to all if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me st luke chapter nine verse twenty three whoever again is acquainted with those schools of sanctity the religious orders will not have failed to observe that where the spirit of the founder is duly observed cheerfulness and spiritual joy are always in proportion with the amount of self-abnegation and austerity enjoined by the rule this fact opens a great light to us and shows that the secret of cheerfulness and content is in the freedom of spirit obtained by the conquest of the body it must be so because the sacrifice of self to god invigorates the will makes the soul patient and healthy and quells that sensual self-love which is the source of impatience and sadness changing it into the generous love of god but when we come to that interior and spiritual mortification to which exterior self-denial is subservient we shall find upon careful examination that it is all reducible to patience take the mortification of inordinate curiosity for an example this is a vice that is very injurious both to self-control and to recollection and opens the door to many temptations it leads the mind away in search of distracting and dissipating novelties it peeps into other people's conduct and affairs with which the soul has no concern it will even pry into error and vice and long to taste the evil that is in them this evil not only dissipates the mind but breeds many rash judgments and lays open the heart to many temptations but it is patience that withholds the mind from curiosity and mortifies this inordinate vice to death take the mortification of the interior sensibilities for another example these sensibilities produce the affections which when directed to their right objects influence the will to good but when directed to wrong objects influence the will towards evil or disorder their lawful use is to attach the soul with love and pleasure to what is good for us and to withdraw the soul with dislike and abhorrence from what is evil or injurious to our well-being but it is by patience that the will withholds the sensible affections of the soul from mingling with the disorderly movements of the body 
or the inordinate movements of self-love and so the soul is kept back from entering into the disorders of the irascible passions on the one hand and from entering into the inordinate movements of the sensual appetites on the other thus the true mortification of the interior affections of the soul is reducible to that patience which whilst adhering to god refuses to surrender the will to the sensibilities passions and sensualities of the animal man that when followed lead to confusion and spiritual death st paul points to this internal discipline where he says if you live according to the flesh you shall die but if by the spirit you mortify the deeds of the flesh you shall live romans chapter eight verse thirteen but the deeds of the flesh are not merely its external acts but much more those internal sensibilities irritabilities and sensualities that spring from the body and which st paul calls the spirit of the flesh when any part of the body mortifies the arteries no longer bring to it the life-giving blood the veins no longer take from it what is injurious to life but spiritual mortification acts on the side of life it is an act of the patient will refusing entrance into the soul to whatever obstructs the freedom and flow of spiritual life end of lecture three part two